0: Although they are located in Surrey, B.C., ENERGY works on projects all over the province, including the growing cities of the north and the beautiful coastal towns of Vancouver Island. They're always excited to explore new places and develop relationships with professionals wherever their clients' interests may be. Abacus North is a firm that specializes in mortgage banking solutions for complex projects. In addition to providing financing solutions in a traditional mortgage broker capacity, Abacus North provides direct loans that range from $2 million to $25 million. On a syndicated basis, they provide mortgage banking solutions up to $300 million. In most cases, their in-house capital solutions can bridge financing gaps that traditional lenders are unable to service. They specialize in providing land acquisition loans, construction financing for large-scale developments, income-producing properties, and single-purpose facilities. With a portfolio that includes high-rise, mid-rise, and low-rise condominiums, townhouse developments, shopping centers, agricultural properties, industrial developments, and medical marijuana facilities, Abacus North is at the forefront of creative mortgage banking solutions with a focus on fostering long-term relationships. Abacus North focuses on national and global opportunities. We are I. All right, everybody we're sitting down with monita triplet today from squamish bc um she's a practitioner in go for it
1: acupuncture and nutrition holistic nutritionist to be specific
0: yeah. And, you know, this is all part of our Eastern medicine month and our like, you know, Eastern philosophy and everything Eastern to be able to drive us away from a little bit of our, uh, our semi toxic Western culture and Western way of thinking. So I'm kind of looping Manita into the, the conversation, the topic that we've been having, just expanding people's, you know, capacity to understand that there's so many more options out there than what are presented directly to us. Um, and like some of these options, you know, like I know they do get frowned upon, you know, like when we talk about them in our community sometimes, but, um, just know that there's a, an army behind us and this is the whole point of eastern philosophy eastern medicine month on we arise so that you know we can all rest assured that there's a lot of other options out there and a lot of people to be able to back it there's you know great people great science and um and this is another episode on that so uh, welcome to the show manita thank you for coming on thanks for having me Glenn. all right so talk to me tell me everything about you from the beginning like you were born one day and now you're here so fill in the gaps
1: Yeah, so I was born in a small town, Kamloops. Um, At the time, it was about 70,000 people population. So I'm from a small town. Um, As a baby, well, let's get into like the the infancy. I um, suffered from a lot of ear infections. So um, that was chronic for me and being on a lot of amoxicillin and hospital visits. So... Yeah, as a child I was very sick, I had constipation issues, um, I was colicky, I I was basically really sick, and I also came from a very dysfunctional household, so a lot of fighting, a lot of um, you know, sympathetic nervous system was in overdrive as well, so I was very anxious as a child. Um, going into elementary school, it exacerbated, so I got worse, and then I developed developmental issues, so learning disabilities, and... Um, that kind of transferred into my high school years where I was starting to perform a little bit better academically, but still I knew there was something wrong with me and I needed to fix myself. Acne was also a huge issue for me and skin issues and going to countless doctors who prescribed me antibiotics. Um, I went to dermatologists that would just give me, um, you know, cortisone creams and nothing was getting to the root cause and I became increasingly frustrated and gave, like, no faith in any any um, professional. So I decided, you know, when I graduated high school, what, what am I going to do with my life? Um, I remember actually sitting down with a guidance counselor in grade 12 and she, her sitting me down and asking me, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I said, I want to be a nutritionist. I'm really interested in nutrition. I want to fix, you know, my issues with my digestion and my skin. And, and she looked at me and she said, you can't. Your math grades aren't good enough and I just looked at her like what (laughs) she was like basically a deep motivational speaker so (laughs) yeah it it kind of like drove me to like want to do it even more because when someone tells me you're unable to do something it kind of pushes me like yeah I'll show you (laughs) (laughs) kind of thing so yeah getting into high school or into university I um i didn't really know what i wanted to do i knew nutrition was something i was really passionate about um but i really didn't know how to go about it and i didn't want to have to do math because my math grades weren't very good academically so um yeah i had a lot of uh, self-esteem issues too and didn't believe in myself and and so I looked into Eastern medicine and acupuncture because, I A, I, I knew that I only needed two years of university as a prerequisite. I was like, okay, that's easy. I'll just take two years of whatever I want and get into acupuncture. And B, I was look, desperately looking for solutions for myself to heal my body because I knew I was broken.
0: So, you know, kind of, like, reeling it back just, like, a little bit, you know, where you yeah. start off with, like, you know, having these ear infections as, like, an infant as a child, which is fine because I actually had tubes in my ears myself when I was young because of, like, ear infections and stuff. Um, right. Yeah, and, uh, but, like, what did that kind of spell to you, like, like socially, you know, like, just kind of struggling with all these things, like, internally, um, like, you know, were you able to kind of, like, bury that? And you're like, okay, well, this is just me as, like, an individual. It just kind of affects, like, you know, my my life, you know, my, my eating or, you know, like, how I feel on the inside or like was there a spin-off like socially you know and academically you know or was this something that was just isolated to a battle that you fought you know internally
1: it was something that I fought internally um, but I knew there was something wrong with me and I attribute it to you know first of all not being breastfed as a baby and not having a secure attachment to my mother and so if you don't have that you are set up for emotional dysregulation and problems with immune because we know that the breast milk, the colostrum, the first milk is a primer for your immune system. So I was having all these issues with immune system, skin, digestion, and yeah, basically attributed to um, yeah, not having that colostrum. I think that's where it began. That's where it started. And so yeah, there was a an issue
0: yeah and you know it's kind of funny how you know when we look at all those things and it's just like it's it's always a combination of factors right like you just listed like a few things that it was where it's like it's not always just one thing but like you can kind of see when we go back like how okay well it's these examples of how the wheel started coming off the bus and you know like and then it just kind of perpetuates because like how do you get back on the bus you know like because we're at an age where we don't know and then we're typically surrounded by people who don't know either you know so then what you spend you know 18 to 20 years before you get into like this you know university environment where you might be able to start figuring it out because your trust is in you know like your parents and these healthcare professionals but like you've never really seen any results but you know like a lot of the stuff they were giving you wasn't even you know treating the root cause of the problem anyway
1: not at all not treating the root at all and I was becoming more and more frustrated with it and yeah so enrolling in a Chinese medicine program was something for me I was fascinated by it by acupuncture i thought it was just really interesting and i actually didn't even experience a treatment before enrolling into the program so really? I Didn't even do my due diligence and how a, a treatment actually felt like so i just enrolled into it, just went with it and um started taking the program thought it was really really interesting but wanted to apply it to myself to my own issues and at that time when i first started chinese medicine school i um well, I was an alcoholic, so I drank a lot, and I had skin issues um, and I and PMS, so I was trying to, you know, solve those problems at that time, and anxiety was still prevalent for me then, too. Um, but I had, so after about six months into the Chinese medicine program, we started working on each other, and I had my professors do some work on me and some acupuncture needling, and I really started to notice the effects and when you notice, like, a tingling sensation, you know, you get a, a needle stuck in your wrist and you notice the sensation throughout the whole body like that. I still remember that first time. It was just, like, incredible. Like, how does this, you know, elicit this response? It's just, yeah, fascinating to me. But then I started noticing an alleviation of my symptoms. And I thought, this is just so incredible. But what is causing, like, how is this working? and the traditional acupuncture definition and how it works and meridians and energy and chi flow wasn't it didn't make sense to me it never did and so i was like i doubted it but it was creating an effect on me mm-hmm. uh, so that was really fascinating for me so it just got me to delve into the scientific literature of it and what acupuncture is doing In actuality, it's not just this invisible energy. Um, It has a lot to do with electricity. Qi is electricity. And acupuncture points There's about 350, over 350 points on the body. And these acupuncture points have been shown to be lesser in resistance each point. So there's an electricity, there's a current. (laughs) Really? (laughs) stimulate. Yeah, so um, it's also been shown to in, increase um, endogenous opioids. So we have, so it, these are really good for pain. They're stronger than morphine. Um, they also increase cerebral blood flow. So this is very important um, because we want increased vasodilation and blood circulation. Everything we need to heal is in the blood. So we want proper blood flow. Um, It has anti-inflammatory effects. So what you're doing is you're reducing the swelling and local inflammation and you're down-regulating IgG responses and different responses in the body. Um, And you're also, what you're doing is you can increase serotonin levels and dopamine levels. So yeah, lots of different effects have been shown.
0: See, and you know, like the the part that I think is, is so fascinating is that, you know, When people came over here, like, we came, you know, from, like, an Eastern-style medicine, you know, like, whether or not it's, you know, like, Chinese medicine or traditional Chinese medicine or, you know, like, Ayurveda or, you know, like, you know, anything along, like, these lines, like, we all came from these, these systems, you know, and, like... Canada and the United States were like were formed and we we completely dropped them all you know but like we had they have thousands of years of like research and you know like trial and error behind them to be able to come up with it and the part that I connect with the most is that like you know kind of what you've alluded to is that like our body has all the tools we just kind of need to activate these tools and these systems to be able to correct itself and like That's the important part to focus on. But that's like what we lose the most. And I think that, you know, when because we've been so indoctrinated in like this Western way of thinking say like we need to intervene with the body and do something completely different versus just saying like, well, what can I do? Like what you said, you know, it's like our our body. We just need to tap into these resources that we already have. So, you know, maybe if you could just like, like explain, you know, kind of like where you said, you know, some alleviation of your symptoms, you know, like when you had like, you know, like anxiety and, you know, you said that, um, you know, like alcoholism was like a part of your life like, and, you know, like, uh, like GI issues, like things like this, like what, you know, like what, how did that feel to like for the first time? in like, you know, probably, you know, 20 ish years that like you were starting to feel these symptoms subside, like that must've just been incredible.
1: Yeah. So it was incredible. Um, The effects were, you know, they were there, but I wasn't still dealing with the trauma that I experienced as a child. So I believe I experienced, um, you know, a lessening in the severity of my symptoms, but they were still there. And what I do in my practice, why I believe it's so important is acupuncture is just one component. Mm -hmm. You know, you're treating, you're treating symptoms. You can treat root too, but you really have to open up the trauma and the diet I mean it's a whole system it's holistic so um so actually throughout my whole uh acupuncture training I was an alcoholic as well so I drank and I partied and you know it um and after you know acupuncture school ended I went into holistic nutrition and learned how to properly nourish myself and gave up alcohol You know, it was that was when I really made the transformations lifestyle because I wasn't ready to give it up yet in Mm -hmm. in acupuncture school. But
0: But do you think that like that actually gives you more authentic tools to be able to use, to be able to help your clients when they come in and, you know, and to be able to like have association with people? Because I find that to be. Like the hardest when you're talking to people, and that's why like I try to explain and like share with people the struggles that I've had in my life, because I'm like, I don't want you anybody to ever think that it's been easy to get to like where I've got in my life. It's been like just a series of failures, a series of stumbling, like making mistakes and you know, having more failures to come and more mistakes to come. But it's like just being okay with that process, but it allows you to be able to have a little bit of authenticity to like what you're talking about, like when you're talking about it with with your clients because you know like I said like the hardest part is when you're talking to somebody about struggle who's never really struggled
1: absolutely especially when it comes to emotional issues you know and trauma and it's nice to be with a practitioner who really understands you as a person who's been through trauma or who's been through some serious health issues um, and you know has come out of it and has really made the changes and feels good like I feel pretty good these days, so.
0: Yeah. And somebody who just understands that it's not just a singular component. Like, you know, there'll be people who say, well, you know, like it is just about working out or it is just about acupuncture. It is just about nutrition. But, you know, like for me, the one thing that I know, like sometimes it's simply just going for a walk, you know, sometimes it is eating healthy. Sometimes it's having like a glass of water. Sometimes it's hopping in a hot tub or, you know, who knows, but there's like multiple ways for me to be able to like find that place like homeostasis inside myself. And it is transient. It, It doesn't come with, the same face all the time and that's what I always try to communicate to people you know when I'm working with them is that you know you need to experience life because life is going to always offer you those little tools that you'll be able to use later on in life
1: right absolutely the one thing that is really fascinating right now in acupuncture research and um If you actually, in the past 10 years, there's so much. There's maybe about 50 new journals that are coming out every week on acupuncture. And it's because of fMRIs, so functional um, MRIs that they're doing so they put a, a needle into like the wrist for a nausea or vomiting and a part of the brain lights up um so you can see it's not just chi invisible energy you can actually see the part of the brain that's lighting up so this is just fascinating but for people with anxiety and depression you can stimulate different points like stomach 36 just below the kneecap this point is really good for um, reducing blood flow to the medulla. we know this is the a fear center in the brain and for memory and and emotions associated with memory you can kind of shut this down a little bit um the same thing actually going for a walk shuts down that part of the brain to the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex the part of the ruminating part of the brain where you're overthinking yeah so with acupuncture too which is just fascinating yeah
0: Well, I think, you know, and that's where it comes back to always having the tools because, like, what if you can't get in for acupuncture or, like, you know, like, what if you can't see somebody or have, like, accessibility but everybody can, you know, lace on the shoes and go for a walk or just go sit outside or stand outside and just get some fresh air, you know, like, all those kind of things and it's, like, it goes to show me, like, you know if we do know and like there's the research and the validity behind it that you know going for a walk or being outside has that kind of like holistic effect like think of how we were like micro dosing like this uh, you know medicine quote unquote you know about being outside because people were just outside more often you know through all components of life except for now like we isolate ourselves to inside all the time
1: for sure absolutely we are and it's uh it's not great <laughs> yeah it's just increasing anxiety for a yeah. lot of people it's yeah. not our natural state yeah
0: what are some of the things that you you come across the most often in like in your practice like when people come in you know like to like symptoms and like things that you're trying to alleviate like do you do you know a common theme behind any of them
1: uh usually pain is number one you, whether it be physical or emotional pain uh, so, injuries as well, come along with that. Um, and yes, yeah, stress, anxiety, I see a lot, digestive issues, yeah, a lot of those complaints. Um, yeah, and going back to actually what we said earlier, you know, people don't have access to acupuncture. You can actually do acupuncture on yourself, but you can use acupressure. You don't need to even go to an acupuncture so if you want to experience. Results, you, you can do it on yourself. You can stimulate these points with your nail or with your finger and do deep pressure. I mean, so you can do this by yourself. I mean, that point that I uh, discussed earlier, uh, stomach 36, which is about four finger widths down from the knee on the outside. So that point is really good. It's the most researched point in acupuncture. Um, and that was really good for stress or increasing uh, circulation. Um, so, yeah, just like you were saying, you don't need to see an acupuncturist. <laughs> you can just do it on yourself.
0: And, like, you know, like, how, how much pressure or, you know, how long would somebody hold that for? You know, like, and you said four fingers down from the knee on the outside of the leg? Yes.
1: on the outside of the leg there. So you can feel it. You can push around, try and feel for that spot. You should feel a little bit of an indentation and a little bit of a tenderness. And then you're just pushing in.
0: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I can. So
1: not bruise you, but you want to apply a pressure that's going to be.
0: Yeah. and how long would you hold that for? Like, how long would you put that?
1: I would say for a couple minutes and just massage it. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you'll notice like a tingling into the feet.
0: Oh. Um, Is there any other points like that? You know, and those like little gifts that you could offer everybody. Like, there's there's this one.
1: There's another uh, point called it's large intestine four, so that's in between the webbing of the. The thumb and the uh, first finger there.
0: Yeah.
1: Pointer finger, and rubbing that—it's usually pretty tender. That's good for any headaches, or it's associated with the head. So any headaches, maybe ear aches, um, eye pain, toothache. Yeah. yeah. So that's a great one too. You can do yeah on a daily. Um, if you do the one on the top of the head here, do twenty. Can you? It's pretty much in alignment with the. The ears, so at the very top of the head, In the middle, midpoint, yes.
0: Okay, yeah. But
1: that one increases energy and cerebral blood flow, so that one's really good, yeah. Concentration, memory, yeah.
0: Cool. Um, so you said that, like, you know, like, you're obviously pretty literal, and you had a tough time kind of believing, like, the more, you know, maybe, like, spiritual side or energy side of, like, Eastern medicine. Um You know, like, like explain to like all the other literal thinkers out there, like myself, like where you need a little bit more of like the the bridge, like like delve into a little bit of the science behind it, like geek out for us a little bit, you know, like just what really sucked you into it where you're like, okay, well, now that I know this like raw data, like I'm just I'm hooked now.
1: Well, it's just basically going through the literature. So if you just type in, you know, acupuncture and PubMed, you'll find so much so much information, so many studies and journal studies. So it's fascinating. And there's just so many indications. I mean, according to the World Health Organization, there's about 50 different indications in terms of efficacy for conditions like, you know, pain, anxiety, uh, gynecological issues, Parkinson's, insomnia, headaches. So this is just like fascinating stuff. Um, But there's one article actually that was really interesting too, um, and it had to do with acupuncture increasing nitric oxide production. So um, we were discussing, you and I, Blake, about, you know, beets. You know, yeah. you were doing the beet powder. Yeah, so that increases nitric oxide. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. So nitric oxide is like a signaling molecule, a neurotransmitter, and what that does is create vasodilation effects in the body. So increases uh, peripheral circulation, blood flow. So this is very important, right? So... Um, a lot of scientific journals point to nitric oxide being uh, one of the things that the efficacy in acupuncture is attributed
0: to. Well, see, and like that's be, like, and he, even like how I got in, like into like you know like beet juice having a lot of beet products is for you know when I do high altitude training or when we do high altitude events. You know, yes. like it like it is shocking to me, like even some like the athletes that I train, you know, before they have like, you know, big games or, you know, like it's a tournament weekend where there's multiple games back to back and they're just, you know, like pounding back the beat juice. Like everybody notices like a significant difference in performance and like the longevity of performance and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Absolutely.
1: There is like a mushroom, too, that increases nitrogen oxide, Or maybe it's uh, Sheila Jeet. Jeet. Have you heard of that before? No, I haven't. It's like an that increases um, energy as well as altitude
0: Yeah. As well um, and, and what is that like I've never even heard of, is it like a mushroom is it a plant a root uh, what is it
1: it is it's an Ayurvedic herb actually yeah. and it's a root yeah,
0: yeah. Where, and, where do you get it from like do you do you know is there like local source do you like buy it online like where
1: online it actually tastes awful <laughs> to tell you the truth um, you only have to add like, like half a teaspoon in and it's, it's pretty potent yeah. um, my interest right now is, is medicinal mushrooms, I'm really into mushrooms, lion's mane is probably one of the ones that I take on a daily yeah. um, reishi is, is another one I take um cordyceps and i like to also dabble in psilocybin yeah that's one that's really helped me with my anxiety and uh overcoming trauma as well
0: yeah, yeah. like how like you're, you're on your micro dosing schedule are you like a, a tenth of a gram like are you like like a 20th yes. of a gram yeah a tenth of a gram yes. like yes. what are some of the things that you notice because like i actually tried um like microdosing like a tenth of a gram with 8,500 milligrams of liquid ginseng um, like before I would do like endurance events you know right. like something that's kind of like six to seven hours, eight hours and um, like I'm telling you like it just, your performance and like your, your function and your capacity is just on a completely different level
1: it really helps with your focusing absolutely it does um, but I find the, I cannot do it you know, if I'm going to work, I have to be in nature to do it. Mm-hmm. One of those things that you have to be and being part of nature is, is important. Yeah. If you're going to do
0: psilocybin. So yeah. Yeah. See, and like evil, even, well, even like this weekend, I'm going to do some like mushroom foraging and stuff. And like, you know, like I try to go like every other weekend and like, I found some, um, some bears head, you know, it's also like lion's oh. bang, or like face, like what they like, what anyone <laughs> call it, like some like really big, like chunks of it. And um, a lot of, like, oyster mushrooms and, like, angel wings and stuff. Like, like I'm, I'm huge into, like, you know, especially because right now, like, it's, you know, mushroom picking season, right? So, um, to be able to, like, get out there and, you know, like, find, like, all these ones that are fresh. So, um, what happened was, because, like, you know, I take lion's mane all the time, like, as well. Um, but I now I had kind of, like, this fresh, and I'm, like, I don't even have, really have no idea, like, how much to eat. So, I'm, like, obviously, like, the fresh lion's mane is going to be significantly more potent than, like, these couple of pills that I'm taking, Right. So I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm like caution to the wind. So I just kind of cut this thing in half and I fried it up in like the frying pan and ate it. And I was just like, for like six hours, I was like, what planet am I on right now? Like, it was, it was, it was weird. It's not like I and mean, It was, it was more like, um, I wanted to be tested like neurologically and cognitively so bad. Like I was just waiting for people to like, talk shop or like let's go do some math problems like it was because i know what it's like to take it every day but i've never had something i'm like and then i'm like i probably took the equivalent to like an entire bottle of lion's mane like fresh like all at one time but it just lit my brain on fire for like six hours like it was it was like and it wasn't that life was fast or like that i was like hallucinating or that there was any of these like you know effects of like conco getting high or whatever, but it was more just like it was. It was like I had Elon Musk's Neuralink on, and I was tapped into Google, and I was like, "Let's like let's rock this out!" Like it was crazy. Have you ever had fresh lion's mane before?
1: No, I haven't. I haven't been able to find any.
0: You should go. Like, have you been looking for it when you've been in nature?
1: Yeah, I've been looking for it, but I've actually ordered some and grew it.
0: Yeah, in my house that's awesome
1: <laughs> yeah um, but lion's mane has an accumulation effect too right it's best taken every single day and yeah. accumulate effectiveness so if you just take it one day it's not i mean you experience some obviously some yeah. um effects there but you really want to take it in increment small amounts on a daily and um yeah so lion's mane is, is great for that one Absolutely.
0: what got you into starting to like consume mushrooms or wanting to experiment with like different mushrooms of like all different varieties
1: well I'm fascinated by the medicinal aspect of, of mushrooms and what they have to offer in the studies um behind it so with lion's mane I became fascinated first of all by listening to Paul Stamets. Um, he's a leading mycologist and he talks a lot about lion's mane and niacin being wonder- and psilocybin actually being wonderful for people suffering from concussion, post-concussion syndrome so he recommends those three and um, yeah it's, uh, I've been doing those three and I find them to be I don't, I've never had it, well I had a concussion actually when I was younger um, but, but I've been taking that, that combination and I find it works really well
0: See And like, I find it to be interesting, too, because like, you know, knowing what we know now about like psilocybin, like, you know, like the, you know, from like, like PTSD, like concussions, you know, like, like neurological damage, you know, like anything like this, you know, from like sports or like, you know, like injuries that um, when I was in like junior high and high school and I was playing football was also at the same time, like when my friends and I were like, we would eat mushrooms every once in a while. And, like, knowing what we know now, I'm, like, I wonder if that was helping because, like, I used to run the ball. So I used to get hit by people hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times a week for years. And, like, so I was, like, I have no doubt that, like, I had these symptoms, but I'm, like, I wonder if I was doing, like, preventative care because we just so happened to be doing these, like, mushrooms, like, eating these mushrooms at the same time. So, like, it was... It's, it was interesting, you know, because, it, like, again, like, with, like, you know, CBD and, like, THC and psilocybin, like, you know, and MDMA and, like, all these things that are coming online of, like, having, like, these actually really positive, like, you know, like, health benefits, you know, and we've been indoctrinated to think that, oh, you're just, like, that person who wants to get high or, like, they're just, they're these drugs, you know, and if you, you know, buy them or consume them, you should be in jail and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's interesting and it's refreshing to see the world kind of come full circle, you know, and come back around because a lot of these products are just natural to our earth.
1: Right. I mean, there, yeah, it does. It has, it has neuroprotective properties. And so that may very well be the case with yourself uh, preventing, you know, any head injuries or certain issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, also increasing plasticity. So it does change the brain, increasing the, the neurons and the communication network as well
0: yeah what's uh like what else are you really are you gonna experiment with with mushrooms like you're just kind of like running these experiments on yourself right now and like this is kind of like where it is or like or do you like to experiment all the time because i'm an experimental junkie on myself
1: i me too. i love it and you know i, I am into experimenting because i'm trying to get our immune systems my family's immune system is very poor and i'm trying to up our immune system you know i'm trying to in, you know increase our immune um system activity and so i'm always trying different things mushrooms are are excellent for that um we yeah so we actually got a stool test done as a family so it was very interesting because i run these tests all the time for patients and it's called the gi map and basically what you're looking at is the different the beneficial bacteria that's in the colon um, And the dysbiotic bacteria, so the bacteria you don't want in the colon and maybe some parasites that are there too. Um so I my family had no lactobacillus bacteria, which is a bacteria you need in the colon. Human beings need this because they produce lactic acid and lactic acid is you know, crowds out bad bacteria. And boost the immune system so none of us had this have this bacteria so we've been trying to supplement with probiotics and eat more you know um, healthy foods and medicinal mushrooms and, and really trying to boost our immune system. Astragalus is a great one too so we've been on that
0: um, Why do you think that would be? Like it, it's something that's so beneficial to us cause like obviously like you know now like you know excluding you know probably your family but you know We're probably producing like as a species, especially in Western culture, like the least amount of lactic acid in our bodies than what we ever have just because we're so sedentary. But you think something that's like so key because we've always produced a lot of lactic acid in our bodies that, you know, like that that would be very prevalent in all of us because we wouldn't genetically like kind of like weed that out at this point in time
1: right well first of all antibiotic use overuse is destroying our microbiomes um the soils that we grow our food in doesn't have the the microbes that it used to have um
0: well that the meat that we used to eat too right you know like the meat that we used to eat with having all the antibiotics in it you know like where we were consuming antibiotics by default because they're feeding them to like cows and chickens and turkeys and all that kind of stuff right
1: yeah absolutely roundup is also creating that too um and did you know that human beings are actually more microbial than human humans so genetically we're only one percent human cells and 99 percent bacterial cells so what is actually us you know if you think about it we have more bacteria than we are human cells it's very interesting
0: well and that like you know isn't there kind of like the like the general kind of way of looking at it is that you know like if you go somewhere that doesn't have a lot of light pollution and you look up at the sky at night and you see all the stars there's actually more bacteria in our bodies than there are stars that you can see in our our known universe with our eyes
1: yeah absolutely it's fascinating for sure yeah, yeah
0: um, and I know and I, I was listening to a podcast once where they were talking about how, you know, like all this bacteria actually lives like externally of our body because like it is in our gut and like basically like, you know, what goes in our mouth and, you know, comes out like, you know, our anus that like that's an in and out tube. It's not actually inside of our body, although it's inside of us. That's it's true. actually like an external that's part of who we are.
1: That's very true yes um another thing too is we have different microbiomes like our ear microbiome our mouth microbiome our eye our nose um yeah it's all different
0: are they all interconnected like are all those microbiomes like are do they have like an associated connection
1: yes they must have everything is interconnected for sure yeah yeah because like i
0: i know like going on and like talking about like the the like oral um, micro or the oral um, microbiome, uh, like you know, and how like crucial that is, like to like our narrowing dental arch, you know, like things like that as well, creating like overcrowding in our mouths, so, like which is like leading to like a lot of like cavities and unnecessary like dental work, and you know, things we just never experienced before as a population.
1: For sure, absolutely. Um, and another thing too is breastfeeding, right? Like that'll change the shape of the face as well. Um, another thing with breastfeeding, too, is that you get a lot of your lactobacillus from breast milk. So if you were breastfed, then you're not getting that dose of well, colostrum, which is very important, but also the lactobacillus species that you need for immune function as well. And to crowd out any of the, that pathogenic bacteria.
0: So, so somebody yeah. came in and, you know, like asked you and said, okay, well, you know, like I wasn't breast breastfed and I've taken antibiotics and I've, you know, had like, you know, like these like bacterial issues, like in my body, but you know, I haven't, uh, I've done kind of the opposite with my kids, you know, like I've, I've given them like proper foods they have taken you know like like acidophilus you know like I, I breastfed them you know i'm doing everything i can but they still don't have like a, a strong like immune system or strong like you know gut bacteria like what are some of the things that you would tell them or like like why that was happening
1: well First, I would, I would run a stool test on them. Let's see what's actually going on, because you can assume, you can guess, but I don't like to do it that way. I mean, let's test, not guess what's going on. So that's the cool thing about technology now. They're doing PCR testing, um, DNA testing, so you can see exactly what microbes are in the gut. You're not just using a little microscope there just to see. Um, you're using DNA to see what exactly, what species are in there. Um and I think it's great when moms decide to, to breastfeed and to do all the right stuff and eat healthy and for their little ones. The, the gut changes every three days. We have a different you know microbiome every three days for cell turnover. So yeah, it's it's really important. You can make a lot of changes just in three days. You know, eating the right foods and staying away from the sugar and the, the inflammatory agents like gluten and uh, processed you know wheat
0: products and. All that stuff you don't want to be putting in your body. Yeah, you know, and maybe if you could, like, outline, you know, like, the detrimental effect that sugar has, like, on our micro gut biome, because, like, I know this is these things we've talked about before, like, on, on the podcast, and, you know, I talk about them, like, personally, but, you know, I just love it when people hear it from, like, other professionals as well, like, you know, like, the the detrimental effect that sugar has on our body, like, as a whole, in, like, in every regard, and feel free just to, like, unleash and let it all out so that people can get another dose. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of
1: reasons not to consume sugar. Um, basically, it's addictive. That's the one thing. It's very addictive. Um, it'll damage your immune system. It uh, robs your body of essential minerals. It leads can lead to the development of cancer. Um, it basically will mess with your blood sugar levels. So it leads to obesity, um, causes premature aging, it increases hyperactivity in children, um, it can affect your cholesterol, it has detrimental effects on the liver, um, yeah, and on and on and on. Yeah. <laughs> leads to depression, anxiety, yeah. mood swings, irritability, so... Yeah, is this, it has a lot of deleterious effects, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, is this like somewhere where like you kind of start with the people who like coming to your clinic, like, you know, in, in conjunction with the like other, you know, methods of like cleaning up their diet and like acupuncture and lifestyle changes? Like, like, do you feel or, or have you seen like a lot of people fighting the sugar monster battle when they come in to see you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one of the things I do with all my clients when they come in to see me is I give them a piece of paper and it outlines, you know, what what do we want to do? What's our goal here today? You know, and it's usually, we want to stabilize your blood sugar levels, So improve, improve your digestion and decrease inflammation. So I usually have my clients, you know, eliminate gluten refined sugar, um, refined oils and refined salt. And then we make the healthy replacements for these substances. Um, That's easier to do, you know, Um, because the goal is to reduce inflammation. Most people that walk into the office are severely inflamed. Yeah, they have got some chronic issues.
0: Well, and like, I think that if there's a topic of conversation when it comes to do with like nutrition and like nutrition sciences that like allowing people the opportunity to be able to understand the vastness of inflammation what inflammation actually is and how it affects our body because you know like up until like a few years ago i had a pretty skewed idea of like what inflammation is and how it affects our body And when i talk to people about it like you know you kind of think of like inflammation as like you know like oh my knees swelling because i went for a run you know but like it's so much more than that you know like like, what are some of, like, the most profound, like, components of, like, inflammation that, that you see? Or, you know, like, like maybe if you could kind of break that down for us, you know, from a, a professional level, like, like, inflammation and what that entails.
1: Okay, so someone comes into my office and they have eczema. They have skin issues. Well, that's a source of it. That's inflammation. You're inflamed. Um, if someone comes in, you know, with a knee pain, that's inflammation. So any pain or... Um, issues with the gut, you know, digestive issue, there's inflammation going on there. So
0: how detrimental is it to have like reoccurring inflammation in your body, like on your immune system, you know, like if it's something that like you're not correcting and there's always that base level of inflammation in your body, like how detrimental is that to like your overall health and wellness on a daily?
1: Well, you're not going to heal. That's the thing. If you're inflamed chronically and on a daily basis, you're not giving your body a break to heal really um and your bucket's foot full your toxic load is is full you're you can't manage anymore so that leads to chronic illness and different disorders and autoimmune conditions and cancer possibly too. So
0: if you had to ballpark it, like how many people do you think are like walking around with chronic inflammation all the time and have no idea because they don't feel like the typical knee pain or ankle pain or like the, you know, tennis elbow or the carpal tunnel syndrome. Like, you know, how many people do you think are walking around with that chronic inflammation every day?
1: I think unless you're in tune with your body, um, and you know your body really well and you know how to relax and you're a pretty balanced person I mean how many people can say they are that and not a lot I'd say the majority of the population is inflamed um, another thing too when people come into my office and they get an acupuncture treatment from me usually acupuncturists will leave the client in the room and, and leave you know here, here's the needles they're in, they're in you right now I'm going to leave so you can relax and they leave the client in the room I find that I can't even do that because most people, they don't, you tell them to relax, they don't know what that even means. And to leave them on a table with needles in them, it, it makes them panic. So I can't even do that with clients. It's very rare that like, they're like, okay, I'll just have space. You know, if I, I ask them, do you want some space? So, you know, I can leave the room. Most of them, they hesitate. They don't like it. So a lot of people don't know how to relax. That, that's a problem. Yeah, that's the
0: issue. Yeah, how hard is it, you know, like when you're doing acupuncture on people and they're coming in for like the first time or like they're just really hesitant or scared of needles, like, like how, like what's the effect of that like on like the treatment itself and like how hard is that is you as a practitioner to be able to perform acupuncture on people who are just carrying that chronic hypertension in their body?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, one acupuncture needle can you can fit one an acupuncture forty acupuncture needles, sorry, into one hypodermic needle. So that's how that's how small they are. Um, a lot of people are very anxious about needles, yes. But I'm usually pretty hands on, so I do a lot of massage first, and then I'll do the needling. But I you find that you don't even need that many needles to elicit a response with acupuncture. So. That's important important thing to remember too. You're not going to have you're not going to have like fifty acupuncture needles. Like you're only going to have you know what a treatment would be probably uh, ten max. But um, yeah.
0: and I think that's like what people see though when they think of like acupuncture is like laying on this bed or something with that just they look like a human pin cushion and there's like hundreds of needles all over their body because we've probably seen that on like TV shows and movies a hundred times. You know, so it's like, some, like that fear is kind of based on, on that or like, you know, or you're know, like, what did it feel like for you for the first time? Like an acupuncture needle went in, like, like, did you feel it? Were you scared? Were you nervous?
1: Um, you know, I don't even remember feeling it. I don't remember having the pain or anything like that. I just remember the after effect and I f- remember feeling like I was stoned. Really? Like I just joint to my head. Yeah, I just felt stoned. And <laughs> that was the effect it had with me. And I remember it lasting all day. And I was like, I want this more like this is like an amazing feeling. And I get that with when I do acupuncture on on clients, they get that exact same feeling. It's this heightened sense of, you know, this euphoria that they get. <laughs>
0: how are people like if people come in like really anxious and you know like they have that hypertension like do you see more often than not like like that subsides like you know like they walk out feeling that refreshed or like does it take you know people sometimes you know two or three treatments to be able to get there because you know what it's like in like today's landscape unless if you have like an immediate effect people discredit it that it doesn't work but like you know what i always like to do is like offer the you know people like the the information is like You know, most people take like two or three times to relax or, you know, like, what do you kind of see as like the typical narrative for people when they come in to see you to be able to get to that point of, okay, I'm just going to relax in this environment. I'm going to get this euphoric feeling like how long does it take to achieve that?
1: Well, I think it all depends on the practitioner, right? Because you can, you can put someone at ease when you're speaking to them initially, um, If a practitioner doesn't have that, you know, graceful talk or, you know, you can't relate to the client or the patient properly, then they're going to feel, you know, not at ease at all. They're going to feel anxious. So it depends on how you approach the client and their their particular specific condition and uh, their history and, you know, really viewing them as an individual and personalizing their their approach to meet their needs. I mean, that's going to put them at ease. Yeah, and reading their cues. And if you could, they don't want the acupuncture. And I even add, if someone doesn't want the acupuncture, I'll do the acupressure, you know, just reading them if they really don't want that. That's not gonna that those needles aren't gonna have the same effect as someone who's really, you know, comfortable in a treatment, right?
0: Well, and that's kind of like, and again, like when like the principles behind like, you know, Eastern medicine, Eastern philosophy too, is like, it is personalized care, you know, so I'm actually really glad that you brought that point up where it's that, you know, you take that time to be able to like experience your client, experience your patient to be able to customize You know, like that experience to them because they may come in wanting, you know, acupuncture, but maybe all they can handle is acupressure for the first one or two times. And that's what you offer them, because, again, like you said, like they're not going to get the benefit out of acupuncture if they're not at a place to be able to like receive that.
1: Right. Yeah. And especially you'll find those people who are um, the people that just want the acupressure. And they're so scared of the needles. These are the people that need touch. You know, they need, they're like, our society, most people are devoid of touch, right? They don't have a lot of touch. They need that sensation, you know? Um, And these people just, instead of the needle, they need more massage and more touch to put them at ease. And that's Okay.
0: Yeah. See, and I actually do find that to be interesting is like with my with my daughters being in school, you know, obviously we get all like the, the literature home that says, you know, you know, like they're basically not allowed to like high five or fist bump or hug each other and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, like it's it's really interesting. And I and I always think, you know, like, well, if there's all these children before that weren't really necessary, if their love language is touch, you know, and they just they feel that sense of like, you know, That community by touch. Well, if they're not getting that at home and like before it might even be simple, like a high five or a handshake or like a hug from a fellow classmate or something like that, where like that could change their day, you know, like that could really change them as a human being where. But like when we take all those systems away and we we create these voids and these gaps between us. But then how, when we grow up or how, when these children grow up, when they go to see like a, a massage therapist or RMT or like somebody doing like acupra- uh, acupuncture, or acupressure on them, how do they have that base level of comfort when they've basically been told like touching another human being fundamentally might not be okay?
1: Right. I think that's silly. I, I didn't even know that that occurred, that they're not allowed high fives and they're not allowed to, yeah, that's...
0: Yeah, it's like, and it's like drifting down that. And like, and you even, you know, like, like to me, like, I've seen it really start around the whole time where, like, they don't keep, like, points in games anymore, like, at a certain level. And, you know, like, they don't, they try to discourage, like, winners and losers, and, you know, like, in participation ribbons, like, and all that kind of stuff. Where, like, it kind of starts off, like, a lot of that, like, disassociation like you know like i feel it's just like something that i've seen like as like my kids grow up and like something i see because i'm around so many like teenagers and children like at work and stuff but like i know for me like a big part of like you know me as human being like i love to be touched like you know like a hug or like a high five or like just sharing that moment with like somebody you're like in a fitness related environment when you're like laying on the floor like just dying beside somebody like you know like how much like that just connects you as like two human beings you know but like and again like i find that to be like what draws me towards like eastern style medicine is because it's about maintaining like a human connection
1: for sure i agree everything is connected we should be connected too, as species you know human species and uh yeah that's really important yeah Yeah.
0: Is that, like, anything that, like, you guys get taught, like, when you're taking, like, schooling for, like, all this, um, like, you know, like, Eastern medicine, like, Eastern philosophy, like, a a part of, like, when you were, um, you know, getting your certifications and stuff, like, do they talk about that at all during the schooling process, or is that just, like, something, like, through, like, the research that I've done, I've stumbled across that? Talk about the
1: interconnectedness.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, like with people and like, you know, when it comes to like healthcare, like, you know, Eastern style, like healthcare, like how, you know, it's like about like an interpersonal connection, you know, developing a relationship like with a, with a client, like we you know, like with a patient and like in understanding, like who they are as like a person, because we're all, all so different, you know, and to be able to treat somebody properly, you need to understand their identity as an individual.
1: I think um, everything is so textbook in Chinese medicine schools that they don't teach you that, unfortunately. You know, it's just clinical textbook cases. But nobody comes in with, no one's a textbook case when they come in. You know, everyone's so different. They've got, you know, their history. And it just, it's, yeah, you don't learn that until you, after you get out of school and you, you're in clinical practice for yourself. Yeah. You learn the most. And yeah, you don't learn anything in school, really. The learning happens after the school.
0: Absolutely. See, and the nice part is it seems like you're the type of person that welcomes that, like you, you know, like you enjoy that part of your practice where it's getting to know the person and like what's going to heal them, you know, and kind of like, because I know when people come in, in the door, like when they talk to me and they're just like, well, they have a journey, they have a destination that they want to go to and they have a, an idea how other people have got to that destination. And I would say like, you know, we may map out a destination today that we, we may realize tomorrow or a week from now this isn't the right course for you to be taking or it just might change along the way but having like that fluidity to be able to get there like that's the key you know it's like taking the time out first and foremost to, like understand yourself because you know like the point that you made is you can go for acupuncture acupressure you can change your diet we can do all these things but until you really understand like the root cause of like your trauma and like what you're holding on to inside like you all these things are just like management techniques to be able to get through today.
1: Sure. How you relate to others? How you relax? Do you breathe in the morning? Like what's your environment what's your living environment like? You know? How do you like your job? Like that's a big one too. You know, most people are very unhappy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and sad. it is a lot of people being unhappy simply because what they have to get up to go do that day and every day. Yeah
1: yeah for sure and so i just find sometimes at my job it can be overwhelming right because you're trying to change so many things like you're trying to make these recommendations but it's a lot it's a lot i start off with like the four things like eliminating gluten sugar and oils and salt and but that's just such a small little piece that like breathing is another thing too i just patient how to breathe properly on the table so we're listening we're getting a better response for the acupuncture needles because most people don't even breathe properly they breathe shallow breathing they don't breathe with their bellies mm-hmm. you know we should be like oh, look at a baby baby breathes with their bellies They don't breathe shallow that's how we should breathe like understanding these foundational these foundations are really important
0: Yes, yeah, see and i used to really take that on too like when You know, like when people would, you know, come to me and like, you know, seek this advice and this guidance and I really used to take it personally and say, okay, well, now it's my responsibility, you know, to be able to get you to this destination, like in the best way that I know how. But, you know, just actually very recently, you know, like after, you know. Like 15 years of doing this I've I've come to the conclusion that I actually am only just like a piece of that you know so like where you say where you know like the refined oils like the sugars the salts like these kind of things are just a very small portion of it like I actually only want to be a very small portion of how somebody like attains their goal because like we should not like over leverage one person because for one, that puts way too much pressure on you as like a practitioner, yeah. because you're not going to be able to do that all on your own. Like none of us can, because, you know, again, it comes back to that we'd have to live with people 24 hours a day to be able to do that, but we still can't live with inside them. You know, like for people sure. need to do that on their own. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. But I really like to give them the, encourage, the encouragement. That yeah. They can. A lot of people leave the office, you know, feeling, empowered. Absolutely. What? Like my job does kind of suck. Like I need to do something different. Or, you know, my marriage sucks. Like what am I doing with this negative person? Or I need to be less like maybe my using my cell phone in the evenings is shutting off my melatonin production and I shouldn't be using my phone in the evenings. That's why I have insomnia or like little changes like that. So even if it's something like they're drinking more water and they come back to me, oh I've been drinking more water. So that I've been noticing some changes, that's an improvement, you know. Um, and we're all, you know, a work in progress. I still am a work in progress. I haven't achieved optimal wellness. I'm, you know, working towards it, and I'm working towards reaching self actualization, which I hope to achieve. But um, yeah, we're all a work in progress. So it's good to think about. We're all, we're all human.
0: Yeah. What was like one of or like like a series of like events that like really helped like allow you to be able to let go of some of like the like the deepest trauma in your life that like you were experienced to be able to really start your journey down like the the health and wellness for you as an individual like what were some of the things that like you experienced or the things that you did to be able to help let go of that
1: um basically one of the things that i did the main thing that i did is basically is not to put any blame on anyone else um Not to have, not to let everyone, anyone, um, yeah, how do I put this? I guess it's, nobody has control over your emotions and you got to think of it that way. And that's the best way to view it. And to remind yourself every day, when you get into that state of sympathetic nervous system, calm yourself down and put yourself back in a parasympathetic, breathe, because most of us are going day by day in our sympathetic states. We don't need to fight or flight you know, for the majority of our day, we can just relax and breathe and just be in the moment. It makes
0: sense. Yeah. I was reading a study once where they were talking about how, you know, like driving does that and like how, like after driving, like, you know, like anywhere, because like, we're just, we're in constant fight or flight while we're driving because like, we're not conditioned to be able to process the amount of information that comes our way by driving, you know, and that like, you know, after you get out of the car, like there should be like this, this part of you that connects with just taking even like one or two big deep breaths just to be able to let that experience go.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know with driving, I used to get really anxious and uh, upset behind that wheel. You know, um, now I'm, of course I'm better, but and plus I'm driving with a child, three year old, so I need to kind of get it together. But but yeah, absolutely, it engages your sympathetic nervous system. You know, makes you on edge, makes you angry or if you're in traffic for the majority of your day most people are um you know that's gonna put you on edge that's not the way to spend your life in traffic you know wasting time unfortunately
0: when you were pregnant and then like after you uh you delivered your baby like, did you always kind of keep on, like, this same path? Because I know that it's always, like, conflicting literature, like, what you read is, you know, like, and most people are discouraged from kind of doing anything, like, while they're they're pregnant. But did you, like, did you plot the same course or, like, did you change things? Like, what, what could you give out there to, like, all those, you know, mothers-to-be or, like, mothers just to know that they were doing the right thing or that they will be doing the right thing?
1: Um, well, I think, what did I do that changed... Um, well, I paid attention to my diet. I did. Um, I tried to relax more. You know, really try and breathe and practice a meditation because you know you're you're releasing cortisol if you're stressed, and then the baby gets cortisol too, right? So, yeah, really focus on your breath. Focus on your breathing. Um, enjoy the pregnancy state because it is a wonderful state to be in, you know.
0: Did you change your diet at all? Like, or did, like, were you kind of experimenting with things like at that stage and you stopped or did you?
1: I did, yeah. Well, not experiment. I have a lot of aversions, food aversions, but but I still ate ate salmon and and fish and um, raw cheese. I just, you know, (laughs) and uh, yeah, I really nourished my body. Yeah.
0: Do you feel from like a, like a nutritional standpoint, like the education that you know now that, um, like we kind of set our kids up for failure by like really eliminating a lot of these things from, um, like pregnant women's diets?
1: Um, well, you have to think of it from an ancestral viewpoint. That's the way I look at it. You know, human beings have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years and we were scared of raw foods right so i mean it, you have to really focus on the quality of the foods that you're eating um and make sure your foods come from quality sources you know pasture raised what are the animals eating um, how are they treated and the sourcing is everything mm-hmm. and the quality is everything what you put in your body i mean that's the highest form of respect that you can give your body um and it's yeah Important to
0: remember. What do you do for, like, kind of, like, your, your health and fitness? Like, what, what's your what's your activity? Like, what's your regimes? Like, what do you what do you do for you? Like, what, what's your happy spots?
1: I enjoy uh, going on the trampoline. Yeah, really? It's wonderful for the as well. Yes, I like doing flips and, <laughs> and all that stuff. And I recently just uh, started skateboarding. So my That's partner is awesome. a professional skateboarder. So he, he's teaching me and uh yeah it's really cool because it's challenging it's hard it's really hard and i'm going to be 36 this year so you know <laughs> i uh i am a little bit apprehensive about breaking you know <laughs> anything but but no it's, it's really challenging and it's fun yeah and it's important to challenge yourself to try different things even if it
0: Scares the shit out of you. Yeah. See and I love that because it's like, you know, we we box ourselves in and I hear it all the time and I don't know if you do as well, but it's like like how many like thirty five year olds decided like, hey, I'm gonna start skateboarding? You know, but like it, it can be that you know, like it can be all those little things. Or like you know, like that's the one thing I love about going with my kids to the, the trampoline park is you know, like just doing like front flips and back flips and jumping into like the foam pits and all that kind of stuff. Like I I I love to do everything, and I love to be able to create memories and, and adventures and stuff. So I don't really limit my activities at all, and I love when when people are willing to be able to like experience those kind of things too, and then not just be oh I go to the gym or you know I go for Run or just kind of like the standard things that it's always been,
1: right? And you feel like a kid again. I mean, you're going to age more gracefully that way.
0: Yeah. That one thing. Long. One thing we started doing last year is uh, for a few years now in the winter time, like I've gone night snowshoeing, which is awesome. Oh. Yeah, and then last year we actually started. Um, we would go up on uh, Mount Seymour. And we would toboggan at night. So, like, a bunch of us adults would go snowshoeing into the backcountry and bring, like, crazy carpets or slide down on our bums or our shovels and stuff like that. And you get, like, you know, like, 5, 10, 15 adults together at, like, you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And you're, like, sledding and you're going down, like, three, 400 feet at, you know, just crazy speeds. You know, like, awesome. yeah, like, we talk about just feeling like a kid again. You know, like, where you don't have to worry about, you know, people judging you or, you know, like, like anything. like. Like that was just about fun and laughter, like like yeah, like we talk about like aging gracefully and doing these things that like connect with like our like our wholeness as like a human being is things like that.
1: Totally and I think it's important in our society not to have that view of aging equals degeneration. I mean that's a very toxic way of thinking. And uh I know in the East they don't think like that. when you see along with the Asian women they look younger. They don't believe when you age, you degenerate. That's nonsense thinking.
0: Where do you think that came from? Because it is pretty relevant in, the, in our culture here, especially like in Western culture, where like, I'm going to get to this certain age and I'm just going to kind of give up because everything should hurt. You know, I should be tired. You know, I've earned this right to do nothing for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Like we just kind of have like this, like this give up point where we don't have anything past that.
1: Well, I think what we do is we look at our, our aging population right now in the West, and it's really unfortunate, because a lot of them are in homes, and a lot of them have cognitive decline, and that's our example of elderly population, so that, that's what we think we're going to be, right? We don't have positive examples of elderly population thriving, do we? And then we're terrified of death, and it's like, no one's uh, really embracing life, Right. It's,
0: uh, what does yeah. at life at like 60 or 70 look like to you? Like, what is when you see yourself at like 60, 70 years old? Like, what do you see?
1: I'll be jumping on the trampoline doing flips and aerials when I'm yeah, 70, 80. And I'll be on my skateboard. And yeah. <laughs>
0: I always say to people, too, like I want to be like that hundred and five year old person that's like, you know, like base jumping and jumping out of airplanes and stuff Because like it's the beauty of the Internet is you see things like that. Right. Where it's like like I love that Where like, you know, you get this 70 or 80 year old person that's just completed like their hundredth marathon or, you know, like things like that. Like I love these people who are starting to break the mold and challenge the status quo, of like what we thinking, what we think aging should look like.
1: Yeah, for sure aging should be you
0: know you should be living life to its fullest trying new things and you know that's the way it should be yeah so being just uh of like, like kind of more like an, an eastern mindset um like what you kind of brought, dabbled into it they're like like what does death look like to you like what is like what do you see like what's your concept on what happens after we die
1: um well i believe the spirit always lives the spirit will still live on um yeah (laughs) i'm not really sure um when i die like i don't really care what happens to my body it can be shot out of a cannon i don't care you know in terms of that but uh yeah i believe the spirit still lives yeah i believe it never dies yeah i believe also i've seen a lot of Uh, people that I know that were close to me in my dreams so what does that mean when you see people and have conversations with them you know a couple of friends that have passed and I still dream about them and talk with them and my grandma
0: and yeah it's it's really something what does that mean It is, like, one of those things where, like, you know, we can question it so easy because we don't really know. And, like, we will never really know, like, the face of it and stuff. But, like, just based on, like, because you're, like, science-based and, like, you know, we know everything we know about energy. Well, like, our energy as, like, a human being is not just going to, like, subside with us. Like, if we die, it's not just going to die with us because energy can't. So, like, where does that energy go and, like, what happens to it?
1: Right. Um, and plus our energy, once we do that, we go into the soil, we're, nourish, we're nourishing the soil, we're nourishing the microbes in the soil. And then, you know, we're getting eaten or, you know, used as, as nutrients for plants. So,
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your practice and, you know, like your, your social media handles and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like what, what's your practice? Like, where is it? What's, what's it called? then um, throw out all your social media information and like kind of give us the lowdown on everything about you and how people can get a hold of you.
1: Yeah. So um, my Instagram handle is, is the Triplet, M-O-N-I-T-A. T-R-I-P-L-E-T-T. Um, I have a practice in Squamish, and I also do online consultations for distance clientele. Um, I have a Facebook page, too. I don't really use it as much as Instagram. Instagram's kind of more of my blog, kind of my um, where I do most of my social media stuffs. Um,
0: What's and, your yeah. website address?
1: Oh, uh, www.acunurge.ca
0: throw out okay. your email address for us
1: and acunourish at gmail.com awesome
0: That's my- cool well i thank you so much for coming on and being able to like chat with us today and like giving yeah, us like the lowdown much. and sharing your experiences with us and stuff it really means a lot to me that you carved this time out to be able to spend with us today
1: thank you so much for having me like it's wonderful talking to you
0: no problem